personally, I feel like I'm just getting to the point where I'm thinking about it on a little bit of a deeper level. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like at first you have to just figure out the mechanics and the technicalities of it all. Right. And like figuring out just like how you, how you can make an image that looks right. good um, when you're like floating in the water or out in the woods, like whatever conditions you might be in. Right. But now I'm getting to the point where I want to try to like reflect my values and my beliefs more in my photography. Right. Just trying to navigate how that might look, how that right. might manifest itself. Welcome to Architecture, Design, and Photography. Today we have Gabe Rubin um, in because I've met Gabe in the water, but you look totally different because you look like yeah, a seal. Like a seal, yeah. Right? And uh, my studio manager, Tim, was going through Instagram. He's like, Gabe's stuff looks really nice. Why don't you have him come in? Thank like, you, Tim. Appreciate yeah. it. And of course, again, we're we're repping Tide and, no, wait, Time ooh, and Tide ooh, coffee ooh. with a sweatshirt and two coffees. Yeah. Yesterday did the same thing. Yeah. But uh, anyways, welcome to Bitterford. Yeah. And uh, you know Carl, right? I do know Carl. Yeah. I watched his episode. Yeah. <laughs> and Joel. Oh, yeah. You know Joel? I love Joel. Oh, I haven't cool spent guy. enough time with him, but he's like such a great dude. Yeah. He you know? uh, he came across the country when I was working on a documentary. That's so right. So he was our behind the scenes photographer. Yeah. He told and me that one time. Yeah. He was just the the just most quiet yeah. fly on the wall, but yeah. was really good at what he did. Right. It was really cool to, to have him there as part of that. But um. Yeah, so thanks for coming in. Cool to see you. Yeah, and, my and office is actually like a block away. Oh, really? Yeah, you you're here in see it from here. We're in Saco. We're on Saco. <laughs> I know. Don't tell anyone. I guess mm. I just told mm. everyone. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, we're on. We're like by the Amtrak station. Okay, and like yeah. uh, on Main Street. Yeah, right off Main Street. Uh, what's the name? So it's called Saco Mill Number Four. Okay, it's a big old mill. It's cool. Yeah, you oh, I'm checking it out. And check it out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're neighbors. Cool. Mm -hmm. Cool. So what are you up to? Mm. Let's start with your background, actually. Start with my background. So so you, you're a photographer. I've only known you uh, through Instagram yeah. and seen you out uh, surfing. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's your background? How do you make a living? Yeah, all good questions. <laughs> uh, I'm do actually... you do that full time? <laughs> a lot of... Do you make a living? Right. <laughs> uh, the photography thing is honestly, it, it's like come to life in the last two years I would say like yeah. it's always been there like even when I was a kid it, you know like taking photos of surfing skateboarding as a kid yeah. um and you grew up in in Maine yeah yeah in southern Maine kind of like split between South Portland Cape Elizabeth Portland area mm -hmm. and Old Orchard is okay. where we'd be for half the year so and that's where I live now yeah um so yeah it's always been water oriented in one way or another but um yeah, I'm actually in film production. That's like oh, cool. my career. I okay. co-own a production company, Rove. No. Nice. Right there. Shout out. Where where do people find out more about Rove? Uh it's a good question. You can go to our website. It's the Rove Lab. Okay. Laboratory.com or cool. Instagram Rove Lab. Cool. What kind of uh what kind of films and production do you typically do? Yeah, we're all over the board, man. Um it's kind of a split between so my business partner came from kind of the music video world mm -hmm. um as a as a director. So we do a fair amount of music videos for bigger record labels around the country. Um mm -hmm. locally we do some stuff just like with friends, with with musicians we respect. Sure. Um and then I came from the documentary world. So I nice. was working just like three, four years ago. I was living in Brooklyn and I was working for Vice. 
Oh, cool. Which is they have a their reputation goes up or down depending on who <laughs> on who you ask. But when yeah. I was there, it was it was yeah. an awesome place to be. I didn't you know, know what Joe I was Carter. Yeah, he's done a couple. Yep, I think he's done a couple things with them. He has little spots. He's actually worked with a couple of my buddies from Vice. Oh, cool. Uh, they came up here and did something with seaweed or something. Really, I keep trying to get Joe to come in and, and do a podcast, but he's like, yeah. oh, I don't like being yeah. in front of the camera. Yeah, I like being I behind the camera. Right. I mean, I'm I'm the same way, but yeah, it's funny you bring up Joe. He was like him, Nick Lavecchia. Brian I keep trying Nemins. to get uh, Nick in here too. Yeah, they were they were busy. definitely like that whole crew, like the get in the van crew. Mm-hmm. They I like came up, admire you know like, like looking what? up to those dudes. Yeah, their video get in the van like that won some awards and stuff. And I remember oh, seeing that it? and thinking like that's cool. really well done. Yeah. yeah, I keep telling Joe he needs to make like a midlife version that's get in the minivan. <laughs> that's but, a great idea. I know, right? Like, <laughs> we're getting your van. Oh, Your yeah, van is yeah. killer. It's, I know. I'm. I'm. Uh, I need to make. Uh, Nick Lavecchia has got a really nice little VW van too. Yeah, and he does. Uh, he's got a nice ladder that goes up to the roof rack, and I haven't figured uh, out how to put a ladder together to get up to my roof rack. I just step on the wheels and everything to get up. <laughs> so I, I need to get him in here to just talk about that. Yeah. So. <laughs> is that your everyday car? Like you just drive that around? Yeah. Like if I'm not working. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, I it's Japanese. It. It's a Mitsubishi yeah. Delica ninety one or three yeah, it's, or it's something amazing i love it there's, it's, it's fun there's a guy in old orchard it's a total dude magnet <laughs> <laughs> all the dudes just love it oh it's so funny you drive browns. down the street women are just like looking straight forward they don't notice <laughs> it and every single guy's just like different mechanical shape you right know? right right what's that a van that's not a westphalia yeah yeah right <laughs> so i that's wanted cool. something that was reliable so yeah there's a guy in old orchard my my hometown that drives around one of those like condensed like mini trucks oh i think, I, think I call them key cars what are they called they're called key cars k-e-i K-E-I. and i mean it's is it like just the cab yeah and then a little bed it's like a golf cart truck yeah, i think they call them key trucks and they're not legal in the u.s unless they're older than 25 years blah 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 oh um but that. they they make little vans like that too Cool. And then uh, they'll have some little cars like that, but you'll see those. I kind of want one. It's like oh, my size, you know. Yeah, they're super cool. <laughs> uh, Carl wants one really bad. That too. makes sense. There's that. Yeah. There's one with a little bit bigger tires on North Street going out of Saco. Cool. Um, but I'd love to get one of those and just keep it like where I live and drive it through just the woods with around. the kids. Yeah, <laughs> that'd yeah. be pretty cool. <laughs> someday. What do you live locally? You probably yeah, I live in the it. south part of Bitterford, over near Fortunes. Oh, so, sweet. We lived downtown here for the longest time. And then uh, huh. two years ago, or probably four years ago, <laughs> bought some land and built. So Cool. Yeah. We're like the last street before you'd cross over into Kenny Bunkport. So oh, so that's your We still have crazy Bitterford taxes, uh, yeah. <laughs> but better as far as property, you know, your property value is less, but yeah. whatever. It's a give and take. So. How many kids do you have? Two kids. Two kids. Yeah, two boys that are nice. really getting into surfing. We actually leave Sunday to go to California for a while. No way. So I'm going to try and just kind of park it on Rincon with kids yeah, and sweet. just push them into a little That's small, great. you know. It sounds so. ideal. I would love that right now. Yeah, yeah. I I'm actually wait. going to Barbados in a few weeks. Oh, Nick Lavecchi was just there. I know, man. big swell. The images you see, oh, well, we don't want to give too much away. Yeah. <laughs> But like, if you can find those offshore places that are mm-hmm. just trade wind offshore and swell still filters in, yeah, I know. Ooh, 
He definitely was one of the people where I would like, last year he was there and I saw his photos and I was like, okay. Mm. (laughs) It's just a vacation. Like I haven't gone on like a strictly vacation where I'm not like shooting 12 hour days, as you know, like I haven't done that in years. Right. So it's going to be sweet. It's going to be hard to go and take a camera though and feel relaxed. Oh, that's true. I know. I'm like, (laughs) do I bring my water housing and like try to get out there and get some shots? I probably will. My fiance is gonna hate me for it, right? <laughs> but it's all good. All right. So your your background, yeah. So you did you go to film school or no? I didn't. I went to Wheaton College down in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. It's like a little liberal arts school, and I studied film there technically, but it was the first year of the program, so yep. there was like it was bare bones. They had like uh, this was like DSLR mm-hmm. times, you yeah. know. Um, but it was it was a great program, and then I ended up going to Prague in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. And did they have like a pretty crazy film history over oh, there? Cool. Prague itself is known as like the Hollywood of kind of like Eastern Europe. Yeah. So they have a lot of huge studios and oh, backlots, wow. and like Kodak is over there. And so yeah, I studied sixteen millimeter film pretty intensively over there hmm. as a junior in college, and that's when I was like, okay, this is like I want to pursue this as a right. career. Before that, I like. I knew I was into film and photography. I knew I was into like surfing, being outdoors. There seemed to be an overlap there, but I didn't see it as a career, you know, right. necessarily. Um, like freshman year of college, I thought I wanted to be in finance. Ooh, Ugh, I know. So I like <laughs> I remember first year of freshman co- first semester of freshman year of college, I was in econ, and I got a D. I think I got a D plus. I went pre med for a year and a half. And like got a Ambitious. B minus in Plus. general biology, and I was like, "That's respectable, I, man." But I was, I was trying, yeah. and I was getting a B minus, yeah. and I was like, "This is just general biology. This is not going to work." Right? You know? So right. I was like, eh. yeah. I saw a friend that was in architecture school, and I was like, "That looks oh, like cool. fun." So cool. My background's in architecture. Huh. Did that for three years after school, and I was like, "This is not fun." <laughs> so. Oh, you were in architecture. So you were. Yeah, I practiced for three side. years after huh. uh, college, uh, and it's just the day-to-day working of it. Yeah, it's like you have to go to the same desk every day. Yeah, you, and you got to work on the same project for mm-hmm. just immense amounts of time. And mm-hmm. for my personality, the creative turnaround there mm-hmm. wasn't enough to keep me tied to that. Hmm. And I just, I wanted more freedom of time. I wanted more risk in mm-hmm. my income, and it, that mm-hmm. motivates me. Yeah. So it just, you know, I have a, I have a huh. friend who went to photo school and works as a medical photographer, medical advertising photographer in, hmm. out in California. And I saw what he was doing and yeah. talked to him and he was like, well, you've got the background in architecture. Why don't you see if you could do architecture photography? So, Did you have a history in photography before that or all. not really? The, no way. I, I bought, I don't know, probably the first 5D and didn't even know how to put the lens on. And I was like, who's oh, I called my friend. I was like, what is it? And he's like, oh, you've Mine got a red dot. You've got a not uh, L series lens or whatever. It, oh. it won't fit on that. It was a friend's Tough lens. Mistake. I got the body first. Gotcha. And I was like, oh, I got to put a lens on so it. And a body so I borrowed no a lens from, you know, Joey Radford. Yeah, I know his name. I don't know him personally. Yeah, I, bought, I borrowed a lens from him. And I was like, it, <laughs> I was like you know. Yeah. But it, it's weird because like three months after that, I had a cover of a magazine. Wow, but it was an architecture. Yeah, it was in an architectural field, you know, type of thing. So it, 
the architecture education, you know, is, is encompasses so much yeah. as far as just design, aesthetic, composition, and light mm -hmm. and everything to begin with. You mm -hmm. kind of know what you're doing. It's just... Right, you bring those principles over. Yeah, you span that technical gap yeah. of the gear, which... Huh. I, I was never interested in photography because there was that like now you got to go sit in the dark room forever and I was like right mm -hmm. yeah. no I don't want to do that yeah. like did you ever learn that process no, yeah, never I, did, I didn't either film, I, I would like it. to because yeah, I, I shoot a fair amount of film and I send it off to Mark <clears throat> at Northeast Photographic who I would yeah. recommend if you're ever trying to shoot film yeah um, but I would love to learn the process I just yeah. never got there yeah I don't I don't know it it didn't it never appealed to me like the chemicals and I just like. <laughs> And I don't like that waiting. I, I yeah. like that, like, try something and you see it and you're yeah. like, that sucks. Yeah, you know if it works or not. <laughs> try it again, try yeah. something different. And you have that quicker feedback and everything with digital. And yeah, to true. me, that getting to what I wanted to do was was just better in that process. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But, huh. So for you, you you did film school, studied a lot of, well, to a degree. Yeah. Studied film over in Prague. Where 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 did you end up after that and how yeah, and why? And Yeah, so I would say those are the big turning points. I doing terribly in econ. I was like, okay, <laughs> need to find something else to do. Went and, went to Prague and did that program. And then when I came back uh, as a senior in college, like just in the summers, I would be like shooting wedding videos, mm -hmm. shooting like free commercials for local businesses like in the area here and right. just trying to like build a reel. Uh, I don't even think I knew what a reel was like as a as a cinematographer, which right. is kind of like what my focus was at that time. I didn't even know that's what I was doing uh, was like collecting footage for a reel. Right. Um, and I remember I hit up an old like a family friend, James Deemer, who lives over in Falmouth, and he was doing a lot of work with Vice. He's a sound uh, guy. Deemer Box. Yep. Of Deemer exactly. Box so fame. he is now full time doing Deemer Box. But yep. in his past life, he was a sound guy. Mm hmm. Uh, and like traveling all over the world. He was on Survivor. He was doing like crazy, crazy shows. Yep. Um, and he was like, cut together a reel and I'll send it to the DP, the director of photography at Vice. Um, nice. I didn't even know anything about Vice. I didn't know what a DP was really. If I didn't have kids, Vice is who I'd like to be doing stuff for. For sure. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like... In very dangerous situations. Like yeah. I would totally be into that. Thriving that. Knowing there's like two sets of little eyes looking back for like love and, yeah. you know, all that. I'm like, right. eh, it's, too much risk. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's funny you say that. There, I was, I found myself in some situations when I was working for them where I was actively like, this is very like vice. Like this is like what yeah. you see <laughs> or like, I don't know if you this know. This is going to um, make their highlight real. I mean, or like the news. Yeah. Like right. something bad. I don't know if you've ever seen documentary now. Uh, uh, I've heard it's of like it. It's like a Netflix. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a mockumentary series mm. and they do an episode on vice, but it's called <laughs> drones with a Z. Oh yeah. Drones. <laughs> you should definitely check it out. They nail the vice. Well, thing, so but. I was in Nicaragua on a surf trip with Joe Carter mm -hmm. and I love traveling with him because he mm. just wanders off by himself. Yeah. He he's nuts like that. Yeah. It was funny all the other people I was in Nicaragua with would not leave the compound of where we were at because right. they were like that's yeah. weird. Yeah. It's not America. You know, I'm like yeah. let's get out there, you know, this will be neat. Yeah. Joe just kind of like wanders wherever, you know, <laughs> and it just and starts exploring with the camera. That's awesome. And we ended up at this um it was like a rodeo but a Nicaraguan version. So wow. everyone would just kind of get in the ring with the angry cows and bulls. Whoa. 
drinking. <laughs> yeah. And the, they just all taunt it and it would start running at them and they'd run to the side where there's this whole two story, like just logs huh. that could collapse at any moment. Wow. That like everyone was Is hanging off wall? of. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. like they just temporarily, very sketchy, set up this whole thing Whoa. as a ring in a two story thing. And so that people would run out, taunt the bull, like slap it and run, and the thing would charge them, and they'd just run and jump on or slide under. Wow. And it would like hit the thing, and everyone eh, was Joe out drinking. there, like, neither the Joe or I did go out there. I was very tempted, but my yeah. left ankle from skating is so floppy that oh. if I got out there and ran and bad. twisted, I'd be gored. Ouch. So, but he was just wandering amongst this very very <laughs> sketchy and foreign right and like i was like don't you go too far joe you know i was just like <laughs> yeah. i had my back to him because he speaks spanish really well and, oh he does and uh I feel like joe is like secretly a renaissance man i feel like that guy's hiding some he, i don't know him that well i just get the sense that he's 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 a really interesting he's a dude yeah he, he's funny but uh so on the lower level of this thing it's like everyone up top was drinking, spitting, urinating, and throwing up. <laughs> and on the lower level, that all just kind of would trickle down. Uh, and we're like down there, and you hear this like, Whoa, and you like immediately uh, look up, and, you know. And it, <laughs> but it was such an amazing experience yeah, to, yeah. to just be there and get some of the photos I got were like, right. oh, you know, it was really cool. But it was very interesting to me to to just like go out and wander and, and yeah. see this vastly different experience that would have just freaked other people yeah, out. Yeah, you never otherwise would have gotten into that situation yeah. if not for... And I wouldn't have never... I would have never gone there if I wasn't following Joe. Right. He yeah. would wander off and do that every day. That's awesome, man. He... Because you'll find Joe wandering around Old Orchard in the yeah, summer yeah. nonstop. Oh, yeah. Like, you yeah. just run into him. He's just in a dark corner, like, <laughs> looking out into the light, like, doing his little thing. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, I mean, along along that kind of train of thought, like, I would say traveling for work specifically, like when I was with Vice, I at first it was just nationally, like traveling from out of New York to like California or wherever. Mm -hmm. But then I ended up working for their like HBO show, mm -hmm. the long form kind of documentary show, and right. got to do some of those trips like to the Middle East and some gnarly parts of of europe like hungary oh, cool. and um austria which is super cool but yeah we and germany parts of germany that are kind of kind of rugged still yeah. uh but yeah like the places like that that i never otherwise would have gone right. if not for being in film or like having a camera and right like just solely being out there to like tell someone's story right. uh, essentially or play a small part in that how big of a crew did you travel with when you were doing something like like a like a piece for vice like that yeah so i would be like a camera operator there'd mm -hmm. be another probably the dp so that's like a two-person camera crew the sound guy would the dp actually be shooting as well mm -hmm. would they utilize him in that yep. way? yeah or it's her? a two-camera setup mm -hmm. um or like three like for an interview you might have a third camera that's Just unmanned. on sticks or... yeah um sound guy or gal uh, producer, and then like the local fixer mm -hmm, uh, right. slash producer who like without that person you'd be explain screwed. fixer to the people who don't know what a who, fixer is. Yeah, okay, good. That's a good good note. Um, 
So I mean, weird. they're like your lifeboat. Like they're like the lifesaver. Without them, you would just be like a bunch of clueless Americans right. wandering around a foreign but in country. The sketchy, in the really sketchy countries, yeah, they know the dirty people. Oh yeah, they know and everything. They protect you through the dirty people. And Absolutely. Like it's amazing to me that that's just a like an, a line item. Like yeah, you gotta yeah. you gotta grease palms and you gotta make sure right. the local mafia is yeah. happy and. Oh, and yeah. that person's just kind of with you in the background, like picking their nails. And yeah, it's such just like every day to them. Yeah, I remember we were in, we were in Palestine, and the are for you if you need it. Thanks, man. <laughs> and our producer, the fixer, like, we were all kind of sketched out. Like it was, it was, you know, it's like the the kind of thing you see on the news. Like uh, American media likes to make seem really dangerous, so you kind of have that going sure. into it. You're a little nervous, yeah. and you get the butterflies. It's not America, so it's scary. Right. Or, you know, like, I remember being there, and there were just, like, gunshots going off in the in the distance, and we're right. all just kind of like, are we, like, good here? And the guy was just like, oh, yeah, don't worry. That's just every day. We're <laughs> every day. <laughs> but, yeah, like, the, the fixers, I would say anywhere you go, it, it's like, especially if you're going to have a camera crew, and oh, yeah. gear. You've got a lot of money. Yeah, just... it's like, don't be stupid. Yeah. You know, like, find that person and, and be safe. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I, I remember learning about that, like, just a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, yeah, that yeah. makes sense, I guess. But Yeah, geez. sounds like Joe Carter's your fixer. It's weird, like, he'd wander off anywhere and not he'd just be the fixer, and he's just... So, I think on that same trip, to get from the airport to where we were going is... You know, like I'm, I was too cheap to pay for the data plan to be able to use my phone as a GPS. So I was mm-hmm. like, I know how to get there. We'll figure it out. You know, and I think someone was driving and, and they weren't doing a good job. So I was like, let me drive. We switch and immediately, like right as soon as I press the gas, I go right through a stop sign or a red light <laughs> and then do a wrong turn or something. And a cop oh, immediately pulls us over. And wow. buddy of mine that, you know, uh, that was with us on this trip just starts freaking out he's like damn what are you doing now we're getting pulled <laughs> we're go over to jail. right nicaraguan jail yeah and i'm just like yeah this is exciting don't worry about it right joe's i think joe's in the front seat with me and this, the other guy's in the back and the guy in the back's freaking out and joe's just you know joe and he pulls us over and i'm kind of laughing and the cop just starts going and uh i don't know spanish that well and he keep he, carter was smart enough to um pretend he didn't know that much spanish nice and Probably. so he knew everything the cop was saying and he just kind of played like no wait a minute with the what and, you know and he just kept playing that yeah and the cop went back to his car and carter's like he's trying to get us to follow him somewhere but don't and wow. i was like all right Damn. we'll just keep playing dumb See, joe, and so sneaky. joe just kept playing dumb playing dumb and finally the, <laughs> the guy just like Ugh! right and he walked back to his car and left and i was like well here we go let's get <laughs> yeah. out of here yeah wow. and like the bunch buddy of, in the back was just like, <laughs> 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 you know, he was freaking out. I was like, that was exciting. That's hilarious. That was great. Yeah. You know? I'd probably be that anxious one too, but yeah. Try yeah. to bury it deep did, down. Did you ever hear about um, now Michelle Trahan, Mike Trahan from Old Orchard? No. So he was a local surfing legend who went from Mike Trahan to Michelle Trahan. Wow. And was just absolutely nuts huh. some of the waves you've seen around here that you think are crazy yeah, yeah. this Way guy crazier. would just go on stuff twice that big wow. and just do cartwheels down the face laughing like damn something yeah. was wired know. differently and i've heard stories about him in central america and stuff and it's just like oh, the guy's got like a 
her girl's got like a yeah. death wish. Like it's Dang. crazy. But are they still surfing? Are they still out there? Owns a couple places in Bali. And there's, okay. there's pictures of her in um one of the local restaurants, Carl pointed out to her, tell you where it is, in in Old Orchard, like in a bikini, just dropping into a double overhead barrel bomb with a helmet on. What? And just and you know, she's probably like sixty something now and still just going That's crazy. Wild. Dude, yeah. I feel like Maine has so many crazy characters just like buried mm-hmm. and the, every once in a while they come out and yeah poke their heads so out and you're just like what the, the biggest f- wave ever ridden on the east coast or caribbean that most people say that's the biggest yeah. was by at the time mike trahan no and it's a picture of tress palmas with him dropping oh. in and wow missing a fin that's i think floating <laughs> on the surface in front of him he just got like blasted out or something I, I, Wait, I guess. a surf fin? Yeah, or like a, one of the fins on his board was missing. It was still just like, well, I might die, they so I got to go. <laughs> wow. It's crazy. Dang. Totally nuts. But anyways, photography and, <laughs> and, and videography. We're really, we're getting out there. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good yeah. stuff. So you spent, how long did you spend working with Vice? Yeah, I only... And why did you not continue with that? Leave? Or yeah. did they fire you because you were a horrible person? Yeah, no, <laughs> I got I got axed. No, uh, so yeah, basically I moved to New York on a whim like i sent my reel and they were like yo we're starting this new tv channel viceland we need yep. they were hiring like thousands of people no joke and i was part of that wave yep uh so i moved to brooklyn on two weeks notice had never been there that must have been like, exciting it was great man i drove down in a u-haul box truck with my cat yep <laughs> and uh, just like did it it was kind of crazy but it was like the perfect thing to do at that time right. like i had no strings and just went and did it and yeah that year was like super formative really important um i think after a year in new york like literally to the day uh of moving there i was just kind of like this place is not for me like i came from living on a beach in maine Mm. to living in the middle of new york yeah uh it was it was a crazy 180 um so yeah after a year living there i was kind of just like this is not the lifestyle I want. I was right. like riding a train for an hour with my board to get to Rockaway to go. Right. This is true. I remember the first time I went to surf Rockaway, I was alone. I didn't know anyone or know anything. I was like, I'll just go try to find a wave. Paddled out into the lineup. And the first thing I saw was a Lubriderm lotion bottle just like float by me <laughs> in the lineup. And I was like, oh, this place is yeah. like, I'm not going to last here. I yeah. like kind of knew it. I was just like, that's like an omen. Right. It was just like the grossest. Um, yeah. I, anyway, I spent two years in the Marshall Islands. It's where are out, the Marshall Islands? It's out in the you know where Bikini is, where they tested the atomic bombs. Yes, it's that island chain yeah. out wow. in the Western Pacific. Um, huh. Incredible waves. Uh, but they had blasted a channel out in this one part of the atoll. It was an atoll. Yeah. And on the really big king tides the water would get up high enough to collect all the trash that the locals had left. And then as the tide dropped at this one spot that we'd surf, it would all funnel out Mm. this, um, this little channel that they had blasted that were there. We called it the bridge. There was a bridge that went over the channel and you'd be surfing and you'd see like refrigerator just float out. Whoa. You know, that's wild. Yeah. That beats a Lubriderm bottle for sure. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was interesting. They, they would build out into the ocean with those, like big, uh, there's a name for them, but they're like chain mesh things that you fill oh. rocks with. And then okay. they, they like yeah. turn into big cubes mm-hmm. and they'd build into the ocean with those and pile the trash in and then 
it was yeah, it's such a That's weird, weird, weird place, but wow. so beautiful and such a nice right. Uh, right. area at the same time. But huh. Yeah, so a, a year in New York, and then you were like, this is harsh. Yeah, um, so that's when I went freelance. I kind of yeah. made, uh, I guess I was freelance. I was like permalance. You right, know, it's like right. every big employer's favorite thing to do is like string you along. They don't right. have to pay you benefits. and um, But whatever, it, it was great. And then I, yeah, I was like, I need to move. I need to go back home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went like fully freelance and that, like literally the week I moved back to Maine, which was four years ago, I like got the call to go shoot their HBO show and it all just kind of like came together. Hmm. Uh, and I was able to travel out of Portland and go do these like two week shoots internationally, which was like the dream at that time. I just like didn't even know how it happened, but I was rolling with it and and it was great. And then that kind of fizzled out after like six months because I was in Maine and there's like an endless amount of, uh, you know, shooters and cinematographers in New York who are just right. like chomping at the bit. Right. Um, so that kind of like naturally just fizzled out. And then around that time I, I made just out of passion. Like I, I was, or no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Rewind. Before I left New York, they had a huge swell. It was hurricane Hermine. Hmm. Uh, and it just like lit up long Island. Like it was firing as far as you could see. Right. And I just went out there. I had just gotten a camera, a C 300 similar to this camera. And I just went out to the beach cause I had just left vice. I was about to move. So I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll just go film surfing. So I did for two days in a row and just filmed like the locals. There were no big names. There were, like, what kind of lens were you using shooting? Were you shooting dude, from the beach? It, yeah. I was shooting from the beach on, on sticks and it was just a, it was like a $50 lens. I got oh, really? used from like B and H. But I mean, you'd have to do like a 400 at least, right? It was like a, yeah, it was like a 100 to 300, yep. but it wasn't like one of the big fancy, uh, like it, it wasn't like a 70 done. to 200 F2A, but yeah, I got right. the job done and I, and I had the camera at the time. And so anyways, I just shot a bunch of footage with no plan, cut it together, uh, into a, like a two minute edit that week. And then it, it kind of just like went through the, the internet cycle of like surf outlets w- right. started posting it and, uh, starting with like ESM. And then moving up to like the inertia and right. some some bigger outlets, and that video ended up getting a staff pick on Vimeo, which is like to oh, people nice. who don't know, that's kind. It's kind it's of pretty big. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, just to kind of like get a lot of views on something. Right. Um, and so that happened, and it was kind of crazy. Like it just happened out of nowhere, and that ended up leading to working with a couple different surf outlets, mm-hmm. um, mainly the inertia which is yep. kind of like a, I don't really know how they describe themselves. They're like a, a surf media company, outdoor yeah. media. And so, yeah, like right after I left Vice, I linked up with the Inertia and ended up getting to travel with them for like two years. So I got a oh, couple wow. trips to Hawaii and uh, Australia and just got, I was basically hired as just like a filmmaker, which right. is me and the founder of the Inertia, Zach, super nice dude. So and they'd kind of say, hey, we have this subject we want to go shoot and do another kind of mini documentary, essentially. Pretty much, yeah. It was like two to four minute like mini documentaries, which is like all the rage uh, nowadays. Sure. Like brands love you know, putting themselves. Attention span. You know. Exactly. <laughs> well, honestly, yeah, they were probably, they were definitely less than four minutes. But mm-hmm. yeah, like they would just line up these stretches. And oftentimes the trips to Hawaii would line up with all the activity at Pipe, you know, right. so we would go. 
and they would just have lined up all these different projects. Like we got to shoot with some pretty crazy people, Mark Healy and Garrett McNamara and uh, all sorts of like Hawaiian waterman legends. Nice. Like the guys who invented toe-in skiing and right. Uh, yeah, in Australia, we got to link that up must with be such a cool weird people. thing to be a kid grew up in Maine surfing like the, the like the last yeah before the more recent like kind of hipster fascination with mm. the out of bounds areas like Maine yeah you know yeah Maine would have never come up on a radar for surfing mm -hmm. you know now it's kind that's of true. a unique kind of like ooh that's like a little like odd yeah you know for sure but to grow up in that before yeah and then to go see like all these extremely well known yeah that must have been quite a trip it was a mind blower i yeah we like i remember we got to stay we were staying on pipeline or uh -huh. like at rock piles like right next to john john florence's house right and him and kelly were like going at it in heats and i was just sitting on the beach at pipe right just like watching did you this. surf on the north shore much no i didn't i ended up surfing we ended up in honolulu for whatever reason uh filming something and I had a day to kill before flying out. So I yep. rented a longboard and surfed uh, Waikiki, which is like pretty epic. I don't like, you've probably caught on to this by now. I'm not into big waves. Like yeah. that's not my <laughs> comfort zone. Like I, I would like to be, I like being in the water, uh, shooting other people charge big waves. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, every time we were on the North Shore, it was like firing yep. like double overhead to me three foot Hawaiian right. whatever. Did you um, ever shoot from the water? And like yeah. In, at my, like more mellow spots. Yeah. I, w I would paddle out or swim out. Um, yeah. But I never like, I never found the courage to swim out a pipe. Yeah. That it's... just feels like a different league. And like, I, I really feared being the like mainlander who comes over and just like <laughs> thinks he can swim out to right. one of the heaviest waves in the world. Mm -mm. So I, I never, I would like to one day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I spent some time, a couple weeks on the North Shore, and cool. I just surfed like Surfing. Uh, back, no, Rocky Rights and Gas Chambers, back yeah. and forth. They just, you know. Yep. It, I mean, to me, the North Shore is like a huge beach break that mm -hmm. happens to be over a reef, um, and it has these pronounced yeah. spots. Mm -hmm. But man, it's heavy. It's so, yeah. like, it wasn't yeah. anything big for them, and I was just right. getting I mean, tweaked. Yeah. You know, just your <laughs> neck and everything else. You fall on the smallest wave and it just, it just you buries know. you. Yeah. Oh, man. It's the ocean yeah. is different. It's different over there. Like, yeah. like I feel like over here in Maine, for the most part, things are pretty mellow. Yeah. Until you get on some of the reef breaks. I've never right. experienced uh, power on the East Coast other than some of the reef breaks around here mm -hmm. and like bigger days in Hatteras. That's mm -hmm. like the only thing that yeah. comes close to anything that. Yeah, that you'd experience on Hawaii. I mean, I remember over there the swell, like it was kind of small, and then this like a huge storm surge came in, and the swell filled in, hmm. and you woke up and it was like, it was just it was like thunder and lightning is yep. what it sounded like, and like things would shake literally. <clears throat> so what my, it was what it felt like to me. My uh, my classroom in the Marshall Islands, I taught high school there. Oh, uh, cool. If you couldn't see land from my corner classroom. You just saw like a wow. reef pass going by. Wow. But on the big days, it was <laughs> you're just trying to teach, shake. like looking out the window. Uh, I was just, just like, oh my like God. class is out early today. <laughs> um, but yeah, on the big days, you could feel the waves. Yeah. Like in the ground, you just you yeah. hear them. And it's just like, it was it's so intimidating. Hard. Oh, For me, dude. I was just sitting there, just like, 
hours like you watch it if you watch like a wsl like pro surf broadcast on your computer mm-hmm. like it's they i think they're they're starting to do a great job with that but like it just doesn't do it justice no. to like sitting there and seeing to be these in the water and to feel it and to yeah. see it and to 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 emotionally embrace the consequences of being in that spot where that wave right. is landing is yeah it's ooh yeah and the really weird thing about not weird but the, just the thing about the Marshall Islands is that the uh the reef where you'd surf was about 50 feet out from land no 50 50 yards out from land maybe mm-hmm. and then past that the reef went down for another 50 yards and then it went continental shelf so Whoa. like you could snorkel Deep out water. on the flat days and you'd see the shelf and you'd see like massive manta rays come up on the edge and go wow. back down, but it just went black, you know? Oof. And so the massive swells, you'd have like normal size set, normal size set, mm. but you have no warning for the massive sneaker sets that would mm. come in. So you'd be in the normal spot where you'd catch this, mm. you know, head and a half to double overhead wave and all of a sudden like from here to the wall it's just the the horizon yeah, just, just disappears went, whoop, you know wow. and it's just you just sprint paddle <laughs> you just start screaming and and Oof. at some point you just you ditch the board you swim down and i would actually try and grab coral heads and like Whoa. hold on because the it was that spot was the coral was pretty Wasn't dead because sharp. it was hit all the time right. it's kind of like pipe yeah um, but I'd swim down and try and grab them to hold on. But it, if Dang. it landed in front of you at all, it would just push into all those crevices and just rip you off. Oof. But the weird thing is the, the coral system was so porous, like with big mm. caves and stuff mm. that you could have a wave that size from like here to the wall break. Mm. And by the time it got to you, it was just kind of dissipated huh. because it was like, it was going into that. Uh, all those crevices oh, and everything and being stopped. It was like it there was dissipates. something under under the water grabbing it and, okay, you stop now. Wow. Like on a big day at Old Orchard, you try and paddle out. Yeah. The waves break and then they just roll yeah. and they just keep rolling. Yeah. So you're just getting hit and hit and hit and hit. Mm-hmm. So you could you could get really close to where you need to be to yeah. catch the waves and be fine. Yeah. And then you just have to sprint that little distance to get out. So huh. it was weird. Different mentality. Different mentality, I, different I, consequences, the whole yeah, thing. I but. can see why you charge, though. I get it now. <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen you surf some waves where I'm just like, I don't want any piece of that. Like, yeah, I, but I want to be now that I have this two sets of little of, eyes looking at me, and I'm in my 40s. I'm like, you yeah, know what? I, don't, I see you getting after it, though, man. It, yeah, but charge. it's so much more pulled back. Like, yeah, it it is. You like, find yourself like actively. Well, the problem is when I'm out in the water, I don't. I just react when mm. those big sets come yeah. and, and that's what you have to do to stay safe in those situations. Mm. But like my reaction time and, you know, my flexibility and everything else is less than mm. I'm used to every year, you know? So at some point you have to tell yourself you might want to do this, but it's not the best idea to keep doing this, mm-hmm. especially when we don't get waves of that size yeah, and you're often not- enough to be, acclimated to it yeah so i'm i'm yeah. just constantly telling myself like mm-hmm. if it's that big uh you know go out up to a certain point and if yeah. it's too big just go to old orchard and enjoy doing turns because yeah. old orchard gets amazing yeah know, I, so. I love i mean that's my backyard i love, love surfing there 
Today yes. on the surfing podcast, we talk <laughs> about <laughs> yeah, this is surf heavy. All right, so inertia inertia project. You were yeah. working for them for a while, and that, those were kind of, I imagine, somewhat personal interest in surfing, skating lifestyle combined. Yeah, stories and... yeah, it was often like brands like Patagonia or like Life oh, cool. Proof, like the phone cases, mm-hmm. or like Olakai, which is a, a now company. Would an, the inertia project commission you to do those for them? And then you'd be able to resell footage or anything, or how the business end of that for you? Yeah, how much you're willing to share, share about how all that works yeah. and how you make a living? Yeah, in that I mean, way. full transparency, like that stuff. I was I was making very little money. It right. wasn't really about. But the you money. get to go to Australia. And... Yeah, I mean, the trade off was crazy, and they were willing. I mean, I, I like <clears throat> the owner Zach and I just kind of hit it off, and um, he saw that short film I made in New York, and then. Uh, before any big trips, he was like, let's, let's like figure out this workflow. Cause he's in, out in California. I was in mm-hmm. Maine and I was like, all right, well, how about I like pitch some ideas that I can do locally for like a thousand dollars, you know, like, right. like low budget and we'll like s- just see how it goes. So I ended up linking up with Nick, Lavecchia and Mike mm-hmm. and just doing kind of like a, a short brother's story about the two of them. Uh, like Mike and his board building and Nick and his photography and kind of how right. they've come together to create this amazing life uh, in like Southern Maine in this part of Maine that right. was never otherwise known for surf surfing or surf culture. Um, so yeah, I, I linked up with them and, and just made like a short documentary on them that wasn't branded. It wasn't really anything. It was basically a passion project. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the inertia, they they dug it. They were into it. And that was kind of the kickoff point for the future projects. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of rolled into bigger trips. Um, and again, they weren't like they were paying, they were covering my travel and accommodations, which was like pretty much all I could ask for at the right. time. You know, like that was a dream. And I got to meet amazing people and get a bunch of crazy footage and just kind of like see more of the worlds. So you're essentially. On on those budgets, you're essentially building a portfolio and a reel. Yeah, still exactly. And and I would say like ne- where I am now, where I'm two and a half years into starting a, a co-founding a film production company here in Maine. Mm-hmm. Like I I wouldn't be where I am now without having like shot wedding videos throughout college and like sure. uh you know like shot free stuff around here for local companies and uh all you know all of those things just like i didn't know it at the time but i feel like they all kind of led me to to where i am now and sure the the work with the inertia and like the surf content has kind of slowed down um and now that's i think like i've compensated by moving it into my photography Mm -hmm. um i think that's kind of like fulfilling that chunk of my like passion um which is great like it's not I remember it was like two years ago. I actually bought Nick Lavecchia's old setup. He was selling right. his water his, housing and stuff. His water I remember housing. when he posted that, actually. Yeah, and like it was his camera, like his Fuji, and it was his whole setup. And I was like, I, I don't know why I just decided to pull the trigger, and yeah. and that was definitely like a that was another big turning moment for me, just like embracing photography and getting mm-hmm. in the water and trying to see things differently. You know, How have like, you found photography to uh, cross pollinate and kind of inform what you do with film. It's a good question. Um, 
they're like they're pretty separate entities in my life uh like like obviously they're both creatively driven and image like creating images um mm -hmm. yeah I don't, i'm not sure i know exactly I, I think i would say that like when i started this film production company i kind of moved from a cinematographer and, and a dp a director of photography like you know i was used to just always having a camera on my shoulder and filming and like I was really happy doing that. Mm -hmm. And then moving into Rove, my company, I'm more of like a, you know, my business partner Jay and I were kind of just like co-producers, co-directors. Mm -hmm. We both edit. Uh, we're both kind of just doing everything, you know, like as you know, like you just have to wear all the hats. Right. Um, and so I've moved away from cinematography a little bit. Like I still shoot when we, when we shoot, I'm the DP. Uh, and it's and that is great, but I think the photography has kind of like again, it's just helped like fulfill that just that need that kind of I a have. creative outlet to a degree. Yeah, yeah, and just creating images like that's yeah. you know that's all I've been doing for the past however many years. Um, what do you find the uh, the the difficult areas in making a living as a creative? Oof, where to begin on that one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I would say specifically in Maine, it can be really challenging. I think I love this state. Like I never want to leave. I'm staying here forever. And so is our business. Like we have no plans of going anywhere else, but it's, it's a small pie. Yeah. It's a small population, small population. And there's a, there's a select few companies in Maine that like can pony up and, and like even need or want, film like video specifically you right. know like I, like photography is like you need photography like, right. i feel like brands have known that for a long time um video i think is like especially in maine i feel like in everything maine tends to be a few years behind in all trends and i mm -hmm. think i think that can apply to video a little bit as well and like people are a little bit afraid to kind of take that leap and like spend the extra money to to get the get a commercial made or, or whatever it might be. So we've kind of learned that along the way in the last couple of years that the local work is, is hard to come by. Um, right. so we haven't like honed in on that. We've kind of focused elsewhere and pulled from our like pr previous lives, our, our past networks. And that has just kind of like organically led to all pretty much like all of our work is from out of state at this yep. point. Like the stuff we do locally is, you know, music videos with friends, uh, passion projects. Like if, if there's like some, this guy, Dylan Stewart, for example, bold coast burns, he's a wood burner spear fisherman out of South Portland. And oh, cool. I just found him on Instagram a few years ago. And, you know, we ended up making a passion project on him just for fun right. uh, as a portfolio piece. So like we do things like that locally. Um, we have a, we have a campaign coming up with Maine magazine, which oh, is cool. cool. I know you're kind of linked up with some of those people. Yeah. Maybe. A little bit more on the architectural end of right. like main home design and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we're always trying to do stuff locally because right. we're Cause both Mainers. Nice to be able to work here and not have to travel forever and still yeah. be able to do something creative. It's exactly. Nice. And you know, we want to be involved in the community right. in Maine. Um, but it, it's, it's a super mm -hmm. challenge to to find that and like live off of it right. um, financially. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, we've ended up kind of diversifying and, and looking elsewhere and it's a good mix right now. Mm. Now, do you, do you focus more on like lifestyle brands, like surfing and skating and stuff, or do you, do you expand to like whoever's going to pay you to do whatever? Yeah. I mean, you know, we all have to do the, the bank and the credit union commercials sometimes right. to, <laughs> to keep the lights on. Um, but I would say, I would say all of our work right now is like a 50 50 split of both myself and Jay, my business partner. Mm -hmm. Like the music videos are very much his backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, and like animation, he's, he's a great, he's got a crazy talented mind for animation oh, and really? just like okay. very conceptual things. Like I'm like, give me a camera and I can film something and, and make it look nice. But he's like on another level. Of so he does animation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He does a lot of, uh, not so much like 3D animation, but like 2D line work and, yep. and hand drawn, yep. like frame by frame, Whoa. crazy stuff. Yeah, he's a he's a guru and uh, spent a lot of hours on it. Hmm. But then you know we work with a bunch of other animators all over the place. Um, so yeah, it, it's less. I guess to answer your question, we're doing less like outdoor lifestyle kind of stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. some of that seeped into our work, but it's more uh, kind of like commercially driven content um sure. for for some bigger brands and the stuff we're doing for main magazine is like short documentaries actually like very short like yep. two, two minute um bite size yeah. lifestyle documentaries that's nice that I'm, yeah. i imagine that's a really uh a really uh open on the creative end and, mm -hmm. and interesting and and probably far more meaningful type of work yeah man yeah for sure it's like you know, we might end up putting every dollar of the budget back into production. Right. Like that's what we do in music videos. Like, right. you, like literally every dollar goes back into production. But, right. um, we try to balance that with the bigger, bigger jobs. Right. And it all, right. it all kind of works out. Yeah. I find the, the work that I do in Maine, that's architectural photography or video videography is, uh, mm it's you know far less pain but it is the stuff that ends up in my portfolio yeah it's the um, stuff you feel best about yeah and then the stuff that pays a lot more i was just talking with someone about this yesterday actually it it, it ends up being less creative because there's a very concise brand mm -hmm. identity yeah and you have to stay within those lines mm -hmm. and within those lines you can be creative but it's yeah. definitely in those lines mm -hmm. you know because this whatever you produce has to look like the stuff that everything else that was produced for this brand. Right. Doesn't leave you with much leeway. Yeah. 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 But you get paid a lot. Right. So I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, I feel like any creative, whatever you're doing, I feel like that's just the balance. Unless yeah. you're like, you've struck this honeypot and you're able to like, you know, do your thing all the time. Right. Um, which I think there are people out there that can do that, but. Yeah, well, I, that's that's kind of what Joe Carter's doing, wandering around Old Orchard. True, know? that's <laughs> just, true, man. On just his have own to path. find a way to to sell those and and pay the bills, or just make sure you have no bills. So, <laughs> so yeah. how do you um like a lot of your stuff that ends up on Instagram is, yeah. is very artistic, uh, you know, to the to almost to the direction of like fine art. Do you? And and I keep asking people about this because I want to do more of this. I've just recently started to actually if you will, express myself with a camera uh, and do more kind of just art yeah. with photography, whereas before it's it's all been doc documenting spaces. Right. Mm. And my creative process is very much so I have a preconceived idea 
I visualize what it's going to look like, mm-hmm. how I'm going to do it, and then execute and finish it. As far as the architecture stuff goes? Anything I was doing with a camera, oh, okay. I would say. Gotcha. Um, and mm-hmm. I've never been one to just wander around with a camera and think, maybe I'll get something nice because gotcha. all I feel like I'm doing at that point is maybe making a lot of work for myself. Yeah. And I, yeah. I haven't preconceived what that is going to be. Huh. That's just how my mind works, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And so just this last Christmas, I've just far more, uh, I got a new camera and right, so just I just wanted to play with it. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. I wanted to figure out kind of how the electronic shutter works and what you can tweak mm-hmm. on that and everything. And it, it was really fun mm. and it was really neat to see what you could get out of it. And it, it's very interesting to me how much of what I'm going through in life comes through or mm. I identify in those pictures right hmm. it's very you know it is very artistic i guess yeah um and i I'd, I'd love to get to a place where you could you know do that produce art in that way and sell it because there's right. you've eliminated the need for clients to a degree your mm-hmm. clients are people who would buy the art yeah um do you have any ex- experience with printing and selling work and and how all that works or yeah, i mean very little like yeah. i'm super fresh to that to that game because it's it's not it's just like a side i don't even want to call it a hustle it's just yeah. like a side project right. it's all passion based and like the i have done a few rounds of prints and frames and mm-hmm. had my first like real show in portland like two months ago yep. um, at good fire brewing and that went super well like i i printed I kind of just went big and I, I printed six 20 by 30 prints, oh, nice. which is like fairly large for me um, and got them framed like super nice maple frames from a local guy in yep. Portland and and five out of six sold. The the sixth one is about great. to sell. So it's hanging in my house right now, but it's it's about to sell. Um, so like that was a great first test run for me because mm-hmm. I had never like thought to put myself out there like that like right. it's one thing to make a video or a commercial or whatever and release it online and it maybe it gets some views or likes or shares or whatever but the real world like tangible here's uh, physically something and yeah. you're gonna support it with your dollars That's it's yeah different. and even like money aside just like the people who showed up for that first event right. it was like pretty it was super awesome and rewarding and like i was really appreciative of that yeah, um, all the yeah. people that came out and bought, you know, frames and that has definitely kind of like lit the fire a little bit. So yeah. now I've like developed a relationship with a shop down in Florida, actually. Um, there, it's like a super awesome tight unit shop. They do printing, framing, they'll like oh, really? drop ship everything for you. So yeah. it's, it's kind of been a really sweet, seamless process yeah. working with them. Um, How much yeah, can you share about them? Yeah, so I'm 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 totally you should asking for my selfish yeah. interest. <laughs> yeah, well, and anyone else out there, I I would highly recommend. So his name is Kelly, and he his shop is called Slater. He's based Kelly. In yeah, Coco Kelly, Beach. you might know yeah. him from surfing, but yeah. he's got a side hustle too. No, uh, Kelly. Yeah, anyway, I forget his last name. Uh, Imagine what's the shop called? I don't want to mess this up. Imagine Kelly. Fine Art Printing. Imagine fine Imagine art Fine Art Printing, and he's down in St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, another a main native artist ty williams do you know ty at all Mm-mm. you you would dig him his work and he's a super talented surfer too um but yeah ty linked me up with kelly because that's where he gets his printing done and huh. yeah it's just been great man like i would 
I think so like, they do frames and everything. They'll and do it all. Like what uh, what printing medium did you use? Like uh, archival paper? Or did you go with like metal or yeah? I mean, or? still working that out. But like, I definitely spent a while. Like when I first hit up Kelly, um, just being like, "Listen, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before." That's me uh, having this conversation with you. Exactly. <laughs> like, and I'm still there. Like, I, I was just looking for genuine guidance from someone, right. and he ended up being like the perfect person um and he was you know like i knew like i've seen a lot of i follow a lot of photographers like on instagram social media and see you know kind of follow along the printing that they do and picking up on what i like and what i don't like and i i personally don't love the like super um metallic like like printing on metal or I got one print done on metal, and it was just so glossy. Yeah, it was just like mm. yeah, it has to, it has an effect that I personally don't love. I think it works really well for certain works, like certain photographers' work, mm-hmm. just like pops, and it right. works really well. But I, my personal style leans a little more towards like the the realist, organic, natural, right? Where I like to think it does. Um, right. I mean, that's, you know, like I'm pretty much just like going to the beach or going in the water and capturing and then doing minimal editing. Like I, I try to keep the images more or less to what I saw. Um, obviously, there are like deviations from that. Um, some of the abstract stuff. Like I love the trees that you've been doing. Yeah. Like, I, those are awesome. I had first seen Nick do um, yeah. kind of like those abstracts of the ocean. Mm-hmm. And I... I saw him and I was like, man, those lines are so yeah. perfect. How do you mm. do that? And I just took my phone and like, oh, okay. And then yeah. I took a camera out there and just kind of swiped left and right. And I was mm. like, okay. Yeah. And then I was like, now how can I, how can rework this it. works really well on yeah. the ocean because of all the horizontal lines. Mm-hmm. How can I do this with other stuff? And yeah. kind of just been walking out my house into the woods and, yeah. Like you got all these vertical lines in a in a in a degree of horizontal yeah. horizon through the trees and then sometimes light in a horizontal fashion. Yeah. And so if you if you blend those right, it it can be really cool. Um, yeah. and I found that I'll use the tilt shift lenses, but huh. if you if you do that with uh if you use the tilt shift lenses, you don't get the the bowing mm. of things because if you turn the camera, you get you know, this thing going on. Yep. Um, it doesn't happen as much uh, when you're doing it on the ocean because you generally are placing the horizon in the middle Yeah. and, and mm-hmm. the waves kind of blur out. Mm-hmm. But with trees and stuff, it gets really mm. uh, bowed. If mm. you're doing it vertically, you have to because the trees are vertical. Right. And so I was trying to do it with the tilt-shift lenses, and it does allow for that, and it puts them all in perfect vertical lines. Yeah. But then the ever so little bit in your hands you get like a stutter mm-hmm. and so you'd have what looks like bad photoshop like repetition oh, i see i kind of like it in some of them but to a degree i need to figure out how to like put an arm off of that dial on the lens to be able mm-hmm. to smoothly shift the lens and sh- shift so the you're picture. shifting it as your tilt as your i'll do a long no i'll i'll freeze the camera on the tripod okay I'll do a long exposure and just turn the dial on the shift oh. or on the, on the shift. And so camera's there and then the lens just moves. 
right? Whoa. So if I can, That's if trippy. I can motorize that lens mm-hmm. so it perfectly blurs, yeah. right? But I have yeah. found that like to get rid of too much of that bow, you just go with a longer focal length mm-hmm. and it, it eliminates that. But with the really wide yeah. angle ones, it, it yeah. exaggerates it. Um, and I also found that with the, uh, if you transfer it over to the electronic shutter shutter rather than manual shutter mm-hmm. on the Fuji that I got, um, the sensor reads from top to bottom. Hmm. So it's really like if you go up, you get one effect. And if you go down, hmm. you get a different effect. Hmm. And then you go side to side. If you use that in things that are moving, yeah. you can capture the whole thing that's moving, but it'll compress it. Hmm. So there's all these Man. weird different things you can play You've with. You've gotten way deeper than I have. Well, I'm, on, I'm, on I'm like thinking of it stuff. like technically, like yeah. how you can apply these things, but right. then going out and doing it. And the, the cool thing is like, it's funny because I'm, uh, you know, just some morning I'm out in the woods with this, you know, pretty stinking expensive camera and I'm just right. like just waving, waving it around, it around. <laughs> you know, and then I'm looking at it and then yeah. I'm waving it again. Yeah. And, you know, if you, if you get just, it's, it's like a painter's brush to a degree. If you yeah, get just sure. the perfect movement, mm-hmm. it transfers onto the sensor and you get this really neat yeah. abstraction of what, to me, it's really neat to look at some of those images I've gotten because you can sense what mm. it is, but you can't see it. Right. Because all those colors are what you're used to seeing in the woods. Mm-hmm. And and the shapes, if you think about it, they're like, I think I know what this is, but I... Yeah. So, in and like to go back to documentary, what I'm going through with uh, transition in faith, deconstruction, loss of faith, mm. and realizing how much more abstract life is than my previous faith experience would have had me believe Hmm. that comes out in, in like I connect with those images because of the abstraction of Hmm. what you can see with certainty Mm -hmm. to me, the abstraction almost has more truth in it. It's Hmm. kind of weird, but to Hmm. me that, that justifies uh, to a large degree my saying, all right, I have something I'm willing to say through art. Yeah. To me that, that means something. So I think there's huh. there's value in it because of that. And Absolutely. so I, I kind yeah. of feel good going forward to that because a good friend of mine who's an incredible painter, artist, chose not to be an artist because he didn't feel like he had anything to say. Hmm. And it's not till he's run into a lot of change in his life that he's embraced hmm. producing more art as a way of figuring that out. And he's hmm. found that there's more to say than he thought there was. So. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, th- yeah, there's a lot in there to, to like <laughs> unpack, I feel like, but I personally, I feel like I'm just getting to the point where I'm thinking about it on a little bit of a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like at first you have to just figure out the mechanics and the technicalities of it all right. and like figuring out just like how you, how you can make an image that looks right. good. Um, when you're like floating in the water or out in the woods, like whatever conditions you might be in. Right. But now I feel like I'm I'm getting to the point where I want to try to like reflect my values and my beliefs more in my photography. Right. Um, and I'm like just trying to navigate h- how that might look or what that how that right. might manifest itself. I think there's there's so much value and art that comes from that place. Yeah. It, it's that's that's a really good path. I love. I was on Nick's site 
a little mm. while ago before I started getting crazy with things because he's yeah. always been an inspiration with how he sees stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of his pieces is like a, a lobster pot. Uh, what, do you, what do you call the top part? The, the buoy, like buoy, lobster buoy. Yeah. You see the top, but then you see the water line. And then below you see the, yeah, the, the line going down. Yeah. And it's just like you, the bottom half is this like I just see a shark down there. I just see danger below yeah. the surface and, and creepy. And then above it's like these like nice bright blue skies. and, you yeah. know, and like pop of the yeah. color. And it's just that great kind of, you know the both top and bottom and at right. the same time and right yeah really he's interesting. that guy has definitely always been a a like force in my creative life yeah like just every time i see his work i'm like damn I, that makes me want to go right make stuff right. um yeah like the like the buoy photos he did that kind of pushed me to go explore other areas near my house like not just the ocean but go paddle out into the marsh right you know and like go explore the the rivers and the marshes and right the kind of those ecosystems and that th that has led to like some of my favorite work like i just go out and shoot boats oftentimes right. like i'll just go out at sunset and did you have one recently that was kind of like below the water and above in a lobster boat or something yeah i definitely I have I done quite a few one. of those yeah um, i like those thanks man yeah that it, that's been really fun to to mess around it's really challenging and you're out there just swimming in the harbor shooting those no i take my my longboard out yep. because it depends on where you go like you could it wouldn't be smart to swim because off i'm doing this in the middle of winter yeah and i'm alone it's not like i have someone Thump. <laughs> yeah it's just not like you know i try to be somewhat safe about it but right. um it depends yeah it depends on where you go like um pine point it the current just rips yeah out of that yeah. river and like you would not want to be without a board like even if you had swim fins on you'd be you'd right. be out of prout's neck before yeah. you know it so i i bring a longboard and strap it you know have a leash and and kind of like yeah it's just a dancing game you have to like paddle up river knowing that it's going to suck you back out right and then you, by the time it, you're in the right position you have to be like in position for the shot right you know so right. it's it's been fun to kind of go explore. Have you talked to Carl much about his process of what he does and going out and shooting animals and stuff? I not like super deep. I mean, I watched your podcast with him and learned yeah. a lot. Uh, he he's a nut job. He's a nut job. He's uh, <laughs> he's for an sure. awesome nut job. Yeah, he's great, man. He's like super. Uh, every time I talk with him or text, I'm, I just find myself like laughing. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right. or just like he's just a goof, but super talented. I think it's. It's pretty amazing what he, he's been he's able to been do. He's been around Carter forever. He's yeah. been around me forever and never bothered picking up a camera, didn't care about it. And then all of a sudden, he's out and he got a picture of a snowy owl. Yep. And his dad had a stuffed snowy owl and mm -hmm. he was just kind of like looking at the picture and he's like, he goes out and gets this, you know, massive Nikon and massive lens and he just starts. Yeah. When, when I first started looking at his Instagram, I was like, is Carl stealing other people's images and <laughs> posting them? Because these are all really good, and right. he has no experience, yeah, at all. It's a pretty insane, like zero to hundred. He did. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago being on the beach with like my my DSLR with like a zoom lens on it, and I could tell he was like intrigued. He was kind of like, oh, like what is that? You know, like, hmm. and then he would always be interested in like seeing the photos. Yeah, you know, and and I could see he was like into photography, but at that point he didn't have a camera. Right. And then sure enough, now he's just like killing it. 
Yeah, and he'll he'll just go out and like lay in the woods for a few hours yeah. to you know figure out where that bird's <laughs> going to be at that time, and he's just on the ground for a couple hours waiting yeah. for that shot, and that's and he just does it because he loves it. Yeah, that's you know? commitment and, right there. Yeah, like it, I I'll go out and do that in bursts. Like if I'm going out in the water, right, in the morning and it's January, I'll last ten minutes. Right, but I feel like he's going out there for hours, like you said, to like every day <laughs> looking for a specific subject in a specific place, and like I don't. I just don't have that like mindset. Carl is a documentary project in in, yeah. <laughs> in himself. It, the yeah. the life that he's lived and the things that have happened to him. Yeah, his he's got stories. I had I had a friend who just yesterday was shooting in California, um, at a hospital for the section of the hospital that studies. I don't know. They have a bunch of snakes and they study okay. the venom. You know, for cures and everything else. Oh, wow. And out in California, these guys knew about Carl because of (laughs) snakes and stuff. Like, because my buddies start telling him, like, oh, I got a buddy who has a buddy in Maine who had, you know, and and they're like, oh, we know about that. (laughs) He's just like, this is crazy. (laughs) Wow. But yeah, it's. Yeah, he's a wild dude. Yeah, you, sure. you could do a documentary on Carl, on Tom Wiley, and then on yeah, uh, Michelle Trahan. Tri- yeah. <laughs> my uncle, my uncle Norman, has some pretty great memories of Tom Wiley because he oh, was yeah. Norman was surfing Fortunes in Old Orchard like back in the seventies, yeah, like straight up, maybe even the sixties. Uh, you know, like middle of winter in jeans <laughs> and a jacket. Like he he has these stories and like remembers seeing wow. Tom Wiley like drop in on the some of the best waves he's ever seen and he speaks like really fondly of those oh yeah those Wiley's days. amazing so for people who don't know tom wiley's probably 65 pushing 70 mm-hmm. built like a, a a brick poo house <laughs> and uh is an incredible surfer and is originally from maine forever and is mm-hmm. the most extroverted eccentric happy guy mm-hmm. you'll ever run into and i've never met him actually oh, you haven't no oh, he's just he's just full of energy and cool. he's just like oh it's amazing this is great come on let's go and he's just yeah does he surf still does he still get out yeah yeah he spends he'll spend like the summer and fall up north and then oh. the winters down here or then he's been going to costa rica for the winters and stuff nice. too he's, so. he's got that dialed in yeah he's a dream funny funny dude great huh. great guy too yeah, one of the on the forefront of surfing in maine seems oh, yeah. like there were, someone Surfer was telling crow. me they used to they used to have the wetsuits where you could like blow into them and inflate them somehow, hmm. like the old O'Neill suits, something about the that. But yeah. they'd go out and they'd just blow them up and drift with the wind for like, in the winter. <laughs> I, they must have been that's crazy, man. I like I try. I need to do a better job reminding myself now how spoiled we are with like seven millimeter boots and gloves, yeah. and you got your. Well, it's just Six, how flexible they are. When I started, yeah. my first wetsuit was a water ski wetsuit, and it was nice. so stiff. <laughs> and when Rip Curl came out with those first, like, super flexible wetsuits back in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was yeah. just like, holy cow, I'm a ninja. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah total, total game changer. Yeah, we got it good. We're, we're spoiled. Yes. Yes. It's it's nice. <laughs> but um, we like to complain. The servers <laughs> in Maine. Everyone always will. Yeah. So with uh, documentary projects, are you still involved in in like longer form documentary at all or anything not, like that? Not at the moment. Uh, yeah, like little thing, like seeds of ideas have sprouted up every now and then, but nothing is, it's just such an undertaking. Like I don't, yeah. I think like what a lot of people don't 
realize is how much goes into making like even a 15 second commercial, you know, like it can be really, I mean, yeah, it can be like one person with a camera and that's it. But like some of the higher level stuff just gets so deep and like the, the crews get big and there's so many things, so many details and numbers flying around and egos and personalities and creatives. And then you get like the agencies who are working with the brands and you're part of that relationship. So it's, yeah, it just so much goes into like even a short piece that I don't think Jay or I really wanted tackle like a feature length narrative or documentary right now, at yeah. least. I think we're like pretty content where we are. So I'm, I'm trying to do a feature length documentary just cool. on my own loss of faith and trying to figure huh. that out. Um, when you, you know, say loss of faith, do you mean religious faith? Yeah. Like spiritual? Okay. Got yeah. It. So I, I grew up Seventh-day Adventist and it's huh. it's on par with like Jehovah's Witness yeah. and, and Mormons. I'd say mm-hmm. like it's lower level and then there'd be Jehovah's and then there'd be Mormons. Yeah. Far. yeah. Um, and that, that's been a huge issue and transition for mm-hmm. me. And four years ago now, I drove across the country with Joel mm-hmm. and two other three other friends and interviewed a bunch of psychologists theologians Hmm. you name it um got a lot of good input a lot of good footage yeah um but i just heard this thing from ken burns the other day uh it's the artist's uh responsibility to lead the viewer into hell it's also the artist's responsibility to lead them out Hmm. so i don't want to put something out where i'm just like there is no God. Yeah. There's yeah. no meaning. Yeah. Kill yourself. Right. You right. Yeah. You like, got, there has to be ooh. something to take out of it. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I've gone to the edge of like atheistic nihilism and, and huh. looked in that abyss and thought like, that's not for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not, but it's not for me. Yeah. I want to dwell there. And I've, I've hmm. come back and I'm working through the psychology, theology and philosophy to find a way back to mm. then be able to share that but it's just such a huge undertaking to yeah. first of all i'm not a writer to mm-hmm. to really sculpt that all together as a narrative mm. but then to actually uh visually communicate that as well and mm. so i've i've worked with a little very very like first grade level animation and stuff mm-hmm. to do s- stuff like that but I, yeah, yeah i'm i'm definitely i've i brought I bought that. Um, have you seen the Iowa or something? The 24 millimeter probe lens. Oh yeah, like the macro lens. Yeah, yeah, those are killer. Super cool. Yeah, I want to. I want to play around with one of those. Yeah, we got one here, Sweet. and uh, and like like all this stuff to do. Like, I'd like to produce the whole thing on like something this big. Gotcha. You know, and, gotcha. and do just like micro. Cool. You know, and along with the interviews with and the footage, head and, interviews, yeah. but yeah, just yeah. like kind of. Because all the concepts you're working with for the psychological implications and the philosophy and everything else, to really understand it, you have to be able to come up with some kind of analogy that you can visually mm. understand mm-hmm. and mm. and it hits you. Like each one has to hit you where it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah. And you have then that visual set in your head and that's a stepping stone to the next place to understand yeah. why why having a religion could be a good thing. Mm. Why having a religion could be a bad thing, yeah. you know, and, and to yeah. be able to create that, create that film that allows people to be where they're at, but yeah. also 
move and allow for the moderate middle and mm-hmm. yeah but that's yeah, such a huge undertaking that is yeah but i mean it's important like and i feel like there's a lot of probably self-discovery to be had in that i have a process. room full of sticky notes all over the walls yeah like so it's so kind of like you go in, in there and yeah. people are kind of like i'm leaving now <laughs> so. yeah i mean that's that's a whole other like that's a huge topic obviously but my business partner jay and i it, we it comes up relatively often just religious religion in general and cultural practices and traditions because he married a girl from turkey mm-hmm. um i'm jewish i'm marrying a girl who grew up agnostic more mm-hmm. or less um so you know we had like we're always like, this conversation kind of just starts like religion right. in general and uh the spectrum of it and like you know how where people are and I don't, yeah, it's a, it's kind of wild to really dig into. I couldn't imagine taking on a full documentary about your own self discovery. Cause like, it's hard enough to just reflect on it personally right. and like extract coherent thoughts. Right. You it's know, like asking so, a fish to do a full length documentary on water. <laughs> you know? it's just like, oh, good oh, that's luck. a good way to put it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You really have to. Yeah, there has to be just an immense amount of mm. courage to make yourself uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, kind of courage to make yourself uncomfortable. The willingness to make other people uncomfortable that depend on you mm-hmm. and uh, have expectations of you that you might not fulfill. You mm-hmm. know, like all of that is. That's really, really a, a trip. So are your kids growing up? Like what kind of So my wife's become far more conservative huh. as a reaction. Oh, interesting. You know, because we were both Seventh Adventists and yeah, you know, grew up in that my dad's a pastor, her dad was a pastor, like mm. the whole deal. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um and we got married in, in that understanding and then I'm kind of going off mm. and I'm trying to be respectful of that. But yeah, at the same time, there's that like, oh my goodness, the most important thing to me, my mm. relationship with God, her thinking is mm. like my, you know, the other half of this equation is like leaving the building. Mm. I've got to really buckle down here. And I, I, mm. I get that. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But it's just a, a reality that's, that's very difficult mm. to, to deal with. Um, yeah takes a lot of self-restraint and mm-hmm. respect for the positions of, of other people if you want mm-hmm. to hold everything together. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Religion in today's world plays a, a wild role, I feel like. Well, it's it's so interesting because it's not that we can be, uh, if it's cloistered the right word. You know, you, mm. you, you just, I mean, if you're going to be like, have you ever gone down to B&H photo? Yes. I mean, Place is a those madhouse. Yeah, but like, did you watch the? There's a documentary on Hasidic Judaism, I think. Mm. And I don't actually. I, Vice I, has definitely done some documentaries really? and, and articles about it. Well, it yeah. you know that those guys are a little weird. Oh yeah, there's some messed up stuff. Happening. I mean, it might be the same relation to like Adventists thinking of Mormons mm. to like uh, you know moderate Jewish thinking to Hasidic. You know, yeah, like yeah, oh sure. those guys, you know, don't you know? Yeah. But you know, yeah. you you talk to them, and and they they know things that they think they know, mm-hmm. and they live by those things, yeah. and it makes sense to them, and they they structure their life by it. What do you what are you going to do about it? You yeah. Know? So it 
it's uh yeah i mean i i feel like at the end of the day again jay and i talk about this a lot like there there are good apples and bad apples in every right group of people in the world whether it's religion based or not and it's i feel like all we can do is is try to try to be a good a good person right you know? and it's like hey you can have your beliefs yeah and if you're not harming anyone else then i, f- I feel like that's a win you see know? that's the that's the only that's the hang-up for me that ejected me from seventh adventism is because i i saw the cognitive dissonance of seeing a child being born into that culture that was gay hmm. and mm-hmm. saying all right every gay person I've interacted with and gotten to a level where I'm comfortable enough as a friend with them to say, mm-hmm. tell me about yourself. Yeah. I, I don't know enough gay people. I need, I need to know, like, want to learn. did you just choose this? Or we, you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, dude, as soon as you have puberty, that's what you're attracted to. I don't know what to tell you, but yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And I've had some people tell me like, obviously if I could have chosen to be straight, it would have been easier for me. Hmm. And I, I would have done that because I wouldn't have had to go through all that stuff growing up. Yeah, hardships. You know, and you look at that and you're like, okay, here's someone born a specific way outside of their choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet there's this culture that uh, damns them mm-hmm. for something that they don't have control over. That doesn't equate mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, a loving way of interacting yeah. with it doesn't it doesn't equal human thriving mm-hmm. and the suicide rates skyrocket mm-hmm. in in cultures where people are born into that that are gay mm. and it's just for me that was the eject button of like yeah this is not right this i can't support this and mm. then after that i started looking into all the psychology and everything else and it gets really like mm. wow there's nothing you know and that mm. that's a it's a it's a scary moment um but that's a process of objectively looking into something and there's objective things don't really hold any meaning. Hmm. They, they only hold the very, very specific data point that that ob- objective thing mm-hmm. can pin down. The, the most meaning and the most, you know, further truth is found in subjective things. And that's why art I think is so valuable hmm. and, uh, experience and new experiences are so valuable because i think you that's truth is a horizontal relationship it's Mm. you you look out at the horizon in the ocean and you you see something out there that the truth is like that like as soon as you can get from here to that thing that you saw on the horizon as soon as you get to it the further deeper truth has moved beyond Mm. you again and Mm. you'll never get to the completion Right, it's not like unless you can just grab unless it. it's a flat Earth, so there's always that. But <laughs> yeah, but true. yeah, it's just it's going to be no matter how far you can get into something, you're not going to reach a rock bottom. Yeah, of, yeah. of truth. So it's huh. yeah, it, and I need to doodle and animate and make a two-hour <laughs> thing. Bring stuff to life. Yeah, just something that huh. I don't know that at least uh, explains me to my children when they're of a cognizant age. Yeah. You know and how old are they now? Eight and ten. Oh, okay, so well, it's getting there. Yeah, they're it's there. hard for the, it's hard for them though because yeah. you know they're they're watching. I think they worry like, Daddy's going to die and we'll never see him again. Mm. And yeah, I think that's hard for a kid. Yeah, for so, sure it is. But 
Wow. This is way off topic. We're just spanning. That's the... okay though. That's <laughs> what we do here. Welcome back. Welcome back. We had a backing break. Um, yeah, no, I had a real, I had a, a great childhood, and I would say my parents were very moderate, yeah, and liberal within that religion, and I saw no issue with it. But again, I wasn't growing up gay in a mm. in a belief system that painted me as being simply wrong because mm-hmm. then the danger is that within that your closest uh relationships you you get rejected i think mm. and mm. that's just yeah that's a that's a rough thing um do you belong to a church locally or are you like fully no, no i i mean i lost a bet the other day and had to go to church but other than that no <laughs> i um it's it's been uh well I, I like i have a lot of reverence for the jewish faith because from what i can tell the embracing the question is is more of the um is more of the push mm-hmm. which you know you'll have jewish rabbis that are like i'm kind of agnostic i'm not sure but mm-hmm. i'm working through this you know i'm working through i'm working through life with this belief system yeah. you know yeah and it's just yeah the the other christianity is just so much more i don't know if it's just this specific american culture that Mm. uh takes it and forms it into something that uh you know they want to be very i mean the more certain you can be about things the more you can depend on them the more you can use Mm -hmm. them to your advantage i get that uh but that's just not the the you know like the 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 old testament jewish practices were that you didn't name the name of god and mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of wisdom in that in that if you give it a name and and treat it as something in that way what you do is start to turn it into yourself like a, mm. a reflection of yourself too much rather than reflecting mm. the other way mm-hmm. and i think there's there's a lot of wisdom in that that you you leave that entity outside unnamed right that that right. shines in you yeah. know and hmm. the analogy i keep coming to is that i was i grew up thinking uh like i could use my arms to contain the ocean when i should have been learning to swim you know hmm. that's the real thing wow. that if there is a god that's responsible for all of this hmm. that it's it's everything right hmm. and you have to learn to live in connection with that somehow not think that you can define it mm-hmm. so it yeah i mean it's i feel like it's the human urge to like oh yeah want to be able to have some sense of control and like of course so yeah, yeah i got that i understand this or whatever but yeah the reality is is yeah that's so far from from the truth you yeah. know it's uh yeah it i don't know it's the it's the most important question to me but hmm. i've also found that you know, life is a time of questions and death will be a time of answers. So hmm. there you go. Yeah, I like that outlook. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Ken Burns, did you watch the Vietnam I series? haven't, no. Good. <sighs> Jeez, it's heavy, but you should watch it. Yeah. Talk about like, I forget the exact quote that you gave that Ken the Burns. Lead, him, lead the viewer into hell, but then take him out. the responsibility to bring them out. Yeah, I mean, he's, that dude's the master. Like that is like cl- classic Ken Burns, I, I listened series. to a Sam Harris podcast 
mm. where he interviewed Ken Burns and his partner cool. or mm. someone that worked yeah. with him on that. And it was it was really interesting. I I should watch that. Have it some... I mean, it's like horrifying and like terrible, right? But, but really, like important. Real. Like, I I felt kind of guilty after watching it that I was mm. like so naive and knew so little right. about what happened. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's. I mean, it's like eighteen hours of like really brutal war footage wow. and just like horrific things, but it's important. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I feel oh, yeah. like that should be required viewing for people who didn't grow up in that era, who didn't get the full story. Like there, there's a know. lot of wisdom in not turning away from the, the, the horrific things that you could be like, mm. uh, I've, I've listened to a lot of the psychology of, of Jordan Peterson and there's there's an interesting amount of um, reflection on yeah that could be you in Nazi Germany if mm. you were German mm-hmm. like what makes yeah. you think that you would have been one of the 0.01 percent that actually was a German and stood up to the yeah, Nazis was like no yeah right yeah. the vast majority were like I'm you know I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't lead us into this, but I'm not going to risk mm. my good standing. So I'm just going to go along. Yeah. You know, what gives us the audacity to think that we'd actually be yeah, have acted in... differently? Yeah. yeah. And that's not to excuse any of that no, yeah. in any way. Yeah. But to say like, yeah, I'm if if I don't look into the abyss, I could be someone who contributes to that yeah and that's really important to see stuff like that and know that's what we're capable of for sure it's like learning like you got to learn from history yeah you know i mean at the end of the day like we got to take note and learn and make sure not to have you been to the holocaust museum in dc uh i i had the option to in like middle school and i just like didn't i didn't feel ready i'm kind of like a weak i have like i'm just like a weak stomach I didn't know what I was getting into. And I was, yeah, see, I just, like, wasn't ready for it at that point in time. Um, I think I would like to go. I have, like, I've I've been to, um, like, in both for work and just for travel, um, been to parts of Germany that are, like, still kind of home to, like, like their beds for neo-Nazis straight up. um, And, like, seen that firsthand and, like, filmed a neo-Nazi march. And in Germany, and I was just like, "Whoa, this is like all sorts of crazy right now." Yeah, like here I am, yeah. this Jew, this American Jew, who a lot of my family perished because of the Nazis, wow. you know, and and like here I am filming these twenty-something-year-old dudes. The the Jewish mind and sense of ability of humor around that, though, and processing that is mm. so admirable. Hmm. Like you know, to just hear like. Seinfeld and and other comedians work around that mm. as a as a form of respect in that is is interesting to me. Mm. But yeah, I remember going to the the Holocaust Museum, and I think I was probably like in eighth grade. Wow, and I was just that's like, awakening whoa, right there. Yeah, whoa, yeah. yeah. And at the end, when they they have a video at the end of just interviewing people. Mm-hmm. That went through it, and it, you'll just sit there and cry. It was yeah, dude. That's the was, that is the pits of uh, humanity. Yeah, that is the right leading into hell and back out. Yeah, but we're com- it, we're coming back out. Coming yeah, back out. That's, that's what the data says. But yeah, that that's uh, <laughs> the 
This is another thing I was listening to recently where they're talking about if you, and this is why, again, I think Judaism and how it embraces the question mm. is so important rather than providing certain answers. If, I forget who it was I was listening to, but if you if you have an idea that perfection is attainable, it justifies horrific means to get there. Mm. And that's a real dangerous thing. Mm. But if you if you force yourself to embrace uh no we don't know this and honestly we can't prove it and so we have mm -hmm. to live in the tension mm -hmm. then that is a is a a more uh kind loving mm -hmm. um you know uh, accepting place to be mm -hmm. and you know the the really horrific things are done with these ideas of certainty and mm. perfection being able to be obtained. You know the mm. Uber Munch or whatever Hitler was going for. You know mm. this idea that we can achieve perfection and all that, and mm. it's just like yeah, do that. You know. Mm. And on that is, note, <laughs> is this the first time you've discussed religion on this podcast? No, I'd probably so always go there a little bit. I do another podcast uh, that I haven't cool. done as much lately uh, called Knowing and Believing um, huh. that I'll usually bring people in that have yeah. some perspective on that. Yeah. Um, but I just kind of let it go wherever because yeah. it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it should be. And it's cool. Yeah. But I mean, like the, the producing and making art, I think is so tied to that. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's just mm -hmm. is really important. Um but then, you know, to have you seen uh, Who the Bleep is, Jackson Pollock? No, I haven't actually. Such a good thing. I was just cool. talking again about this yesterday, but the to see how meaningful and important art is, but then to see the high art uh, community and how weird it mm. is. Yeah, like the guy who duct taped a banana to a wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then someone ate it off the wall. Yeah. Just, it, yeah. In in our society values that with high dollars, mm -hmm. you know. So there there's something there, mm. and I'd like to understand that more. I I want to look mm. into that. It's just so weird, mm. so weird. But whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I feel so far removed from that. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Yeah, I I just like going out into the ocean, into the world, and it's some kind of therapy. I feel mm. like, and then if some people out there can take something out of those images and and it brings them a brief moment of whatever feeling it might be then whatever then good you know yeah it, yeah it's it's a strange life hmm. very strange life but <laughs> anyways i gotta go grab some lunch all and, right and go to a meeting but it's been should awesome. we continue the podcast going to lunch it's yeah. some mobile setup <laughs> or what please look mobile Right, yeah, we'll just walk down the street with these. And yeah, well, thanks for coming across the river to uh, thanks to slum for it having in me. With yeah, <laughs> I feel cooler just being in Biddeford. Oh, it's so, so over than Saco. So hip, just bro. So much cooler. <laughs> God, cool. Well, yeah, thanks I'll, for uh, having me. Trent. I'll see you in the water, and I feel like we should have you on again next year. And just let's like, do it. Check in, and maybe I'll have a at. podcast next year, and I'll do have it. you on. Should it's yeah. it's a cool thing to just have a good conversation yeah I, I feel like this is more of a uh an interacting mm. uh and church to a degree for me than a church type setting would be because i'm very introverted and mm -hmm. don't function well in a group setting yeah. yeah so to me this is very meaningful to just be able to mm. talk 
uh, about meaningful things one on one. So yeah, I I did not see our conversation going where it went <laughs> when I walked in here, but I'm happy it did. Blindsided. <laughs> That's what you do to everyone that walks in here. Right. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, Gabe Rubin. Uh, you can find Gabe on Instagram at Gabe Rubin. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. And then your production company again is Rove Lab. Rove Lab. Yep. And on on MySpace at. <laughs> And yeah. Twitter somewhere. MySpace, LinkedIn, Twitter, Tinder, Tinder. Yeah, all the above, you know. <laughs> all the Check above. out Gabe. Oh, your fiance will have something. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, thanks for coming in. Really Thank you, it. Trent. Appreciate it.